Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Rosiel and my guest today is Thomas TPJ Price. He's the co-founder of HNB Media and the Hoops and Brews podcast. Through HNB, he actually is media for the Clippers, which is incredible. So getting to talk to Thomas was so much fun, getting to hear what he's been doing, what he's been up to, how he's been doing it. Absolutely is super, super help as you've seen. If you've seen any of the live streams or the clips or the the videos uh, that overlay was made by Thomas and I sincerely sincerely appreciate it he's a good dude going to become a very good friend over time and hopefully I can get out to LA I don't know in like 2025 whenever California opens up and uh, I'll be able to hang out with him maybe buy him a beer for what he's done so thank you so much to Thomas thank you for listening so I hope you enjoy this episode with Thomas TPJ Price Today on the For the Love of Sports podcast, I have Thomas TPJ Price, co-founder of HNB Media, and is a, a co-host of the Hoops and Brews podcast. Thank Thomas, you, Thomas. How, how you doing, doing today, man? How you doing today? It's Thanks a good day to be alive, on, brother. I appreciate it. Now, I'm a thank big you fan. for. Yeah, yeah. Actually, like uh, you know, last night because I always do my research when I do anything like this, or if I, or if some, I'm, you know, I'm on the opposite end. And I was watching your YouTube channel. I really like your YouTube channel. I subscribed. Thanks. And I watched man. a couple of your videos. I really, I'm a fan. Well, hey, you're you're going to be on the YouTube channel, and uh, actually, you're on there right now. I hope that's okay. Uh, we're live to yeah, YouTube as well as to LinkedIn, so no you'll you'll be there. All. You'll be living there forever. Hopefully, that is the goal. But yeah, man, again, go back and watch it now. <laughs> Very grateful that you're on. Thank you so much. Uh, Justin Moser is a good friend of both of ours. He connected us. He thought this would be a little bit of fun, and I, I can already see it's going to be a blast. But the first question, Thomas, I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? I love sports really because of my mother, to be honest. My mother uh, was – she played sports when she was in high school. Uh, she was on like the – and also I'm from Chicago. I apologize. I'm so sorry. Speaking of that, my mother literally just texted me. No joke. <laughs> the universe is weird, <laughs> yeah, man. It's so weird. I'm sorry. It's weird. I apologize about You're that. You're good. Uh, but because of my mother, really, she played sports in high school, and she was always a big sports fan, a huge Cubs and White Sox fan because we grew up on the south side, but her mother was like a huge Cubs fan. Uh, so so as a kid, I used to always be in the parks, uh, you know, watching 16-inch softball. And if you're from Chicago, you know about how big the kind of 16-inch softball culture is out there. Uh, so pretty much I spent the majority of my childhood in the park watching 16-inch softball, which, you know, if you're, you know, as a kid, it just kind of is nice to be outside. I feel like a lot of kids don't really get to go outside as much anymore or they don't go out as much anymore. And they should. And right now, obviously, is a little different. Human history is kind of, you know, we're, we're writing a couple yeah. chapters in the history yeah. book I mean, right, right now. Right now. Stay in the yeah. house right now. <laughs> but, Please, stay in the house right but now. But when, when, the, when the world starts to spin and uh, we get back to normal, actually, it's really funny. So my mom is the reason why I love sports so much. My dad hates it. He likes NFL, but just kind of at a surface level. My mom's a very big Mets fan, so we grew up very, very big Mets fans, which was a lot of fun. And she was always the one that pushed us to play. And she also played a significant amount of, I don't know if it's the same thing, 16-inch, I'm not 100% sure, but it was just slow-pitch uh, women's mm -hmm. softball. And yeah. she would play it, and I would, I was, you know, the the um, unaffiliated mascot because I was super young, and she was, um, you know, 27. And I'm just like this four-year-old just running around, just like rooting for my mom, and all her friends didn't have kids yet. And there, so I was like kind of just this little mascot that used to hang out with them, and it was always so much fun. And, and now, man, it's it's crazy how – those memories that we have as kids, um, especially it's something like just slow pitch softball or fast pitch softball your mom used to play, carries forward. And it's something that you can really look back on and say, you know, that had a pretty big impact on the entire trajectory of my life. Yeah. I, I, yeah, seriously. And that's also the cool thing about, you know, um, you know, moms or, or, you know, is that they were human beings before we existed. So even, you know, kind of their little small you know kind of tastes and idiosyncrasies and little subcultures that they love or like you know they slowly get embedded in you so even as you grow older you know like i said like she was she's really the reason i love sports i mean my dad played basketball 
But my dad wasn't the one that took me to the park to go and like watch softball all day. My mother was also a softball coach. So because she was a softball coach as well, I was always there seeing the coach and stuff. So, yeah, so that kind of stuff, it definitely does like, you know, you know, kind of this. So that's the cool thing about moms. Shout out to all the moms. It's Shout out. They're coming um, soon. Yeah, that's true. Man, this 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 we got we got something going right now, man. I don't know what it is. Your mom's texting you. We're talking about her. It's Mother's Day. There's something going on. We're going to we're going to keep rocking with it. And I have to I mean, obviously, with everything that's been going on last night, I watched the the what the fifth and sixth episodes of the last dance i mean being from chicago how much how much cooler is it because you kind of grew up and what everything was going around how much more emotional connection do you have to everything that you're seeing on tv well i mean personally i'll say this i i've been covering the nba for i think about four years now however many long years four years now i think something like that so at this current point i kind of have a disassociative relationship with it because it's for like I'm I'm still a fan, but all of like the nostalgia that I really felt about sports, like I don't really feel that unless something tragic happens, like you know Kobe for instance, like when Kobe passed, it really emotionally took me back to that place of when I was a kid, when I was in high school on NBA.com watching videos and trying to find you know kind of these guys mixtapes and highlights and stuff you know like that. But now I don't really I don't really get nostalgic over content like that. I'm just more so looking at kind of from a from a competitive perspective but also kind of what can I learn from this more so than it's being about how I felt so for example right I was hanging out with my cousin for the first time it was the first time I saw anybody that wasn't kind of my girlfriend for about three four weeks and uh, she was talking to me about the last dance and, she, and the way she talked about it was how you would probably want me to talk about it but she was like oh I felt like I was back in the 90s and it was so amazing, and it made me want to go watch an old Jordan game. And when I was watching it, all I was thinking about was, great, now I got to break this down on my podcast, so I have to, like, be analytical about it. And then my co-host hates it. So now I've just spent the whole time watching it now being like, oh, well, he's going to hate this part. He's going to hate that part. He's, so I so I think it'll take a little bit of time for me to kind of go back and rewatch it in full for me to kind of get that feeling. But as of right now, I'm kind of looking at it more so like, I'm watching a basketball game. I'm trying to break break it down for footage for content. So I I don't really feel that way. But the people that I do know that are from Chicago are like very in that moment. Like, oh my god, I feel like I'm watching Mike play again. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And that's actually you bring up a really interesting point because one thing I always like to do on this show is understand how people break into the sports industry because. That mm -hmm. is the first hardest step. The second hardest step is then getting to where you want to be, wherever that you know I uh, is. Oh, we get your eyes now. Okay, yeah, all right. I'm sorry, like no, you're good. You're good, man. You're good. No worries. Just just stay awake for me. That's all I need, man. We'll have a good conversation. If I'm you stay awake, awake, but I'm also one of those people that I work all night long. So I usually stay up to four, six every night in the morning, and then usually I'll get if I if I'm working a job, like I might go to sleep at like three, but I'll still wake up at like eight and go to work usually. My so goodness. so like I'm so I woke up at like. 12 basically because i was up all night so and it's and it's and one o'clock so where yes, you are so yeah so, yeah, I'm just, so i'm just having my morning cough like like to normal people this is what you're probably like seven o'clock in the mm -hmm. morning looks like this yeah. is my seven o'clock in the morning. man if i could look that good at seven o'clock in the morning i'd be doing something <laughs> re my girlfriend would be a lot happier I but i appreciate uh, that thank you that's very <laughs> kind of you absolutely man it's your butterfly mug it gets me every time but with um just just with that point you know one thing yeah. that getting into the sports industry especially the media side people don't really take into account is you love basketball mm -hmm. that's why you wanted to start covering it then you yeah. start covering basketball and now you can't really enjoy it really in any sense the way you you still enjoy it i'm sure but you don't you can't enjoy it in the same way because as you said now you have to be analytical about watching the last dance while the rest of the world is just saying oh my god you have to say all right this part okay now i have to look how did you cope with it, especially those first few weeks, months, jobs, however you want to say it, dealing with the fact that this thing that I loved is now, now I don't, I can't love it in the same way. And now it's kind of considered work, right? You yeah. know what I mean? Rather than being a ma major positive, it's actually yeah. almost sometimes considered a negative. How did you deal with that in, uh, you know, in your first foray into sports media? Yeah, well, I think it, it started really just kind of at the beginning. Like, I've been an entertainer since I was 14. I've, I've done improv and all that kind of stuff like that. 
So I was always an artist and passionate about like art and sports because I feel like uh, sports is art. I've always felt like sports is art. I mean, as a filmmaker, sports is art. It really is like you have to shoot it correctly for in order for it to look a certain way. It has to be lit a certain way. The colors have to be, you know, they have to look a certain way on television for them to pop. It's literally art. It's just we're watching live art and live competition, basically. Um, So I've always kind of felt that they were synonymous. But when I really kind of got that where I, where it separated was when I first moved to kind of LA and I started to work behind the scenes in entertainment and then you kind of really get to see how how the art how the business side of the art affects the actual art so it's like kind of seeing the inside of a clock and kind of seeing how the gears work so now kind of even when you look at it from the outside you can still imagine what's on the inside so even with sports once I kind of started to understand the business of sports the the entertainment value aspect of it kind of started to lack a little bit but also i gained a greater appreciation for the people in sports that are great entertainers Mm -hmm. because there's a difference between being a great athlete and being a great entertainer and once i kind of kind of saw the difference and like when a lot of people especially when you first come into nba circles everybody that loves to you know kind of down the nba always like that's not the way basketball was originally played it's like yeah if a basketball was originally played the way it was originally played lebron james would be dunking in a peach basket but nobody wants to see that they want to see a high value entertainment sport where the best athletes are doing the best version of that sport and kind of once you get behind the scenes a little bit and you kind of see how things move how contracts go why players are in certain places and organizations and just from a sheer knowledge perspective because we've only been covering the clippers for two years but we've been doing the podcast essentially for four years and i've been creating media for like 15 years so kind of it's just you know the artist in me kind of died once i got to la and i saw the business side of it but also because i've always looked at sports as being art kind of once I saw that it, it wasn't really the same. So I, I didn't, there's it, 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 really no way to cope with it. It's just kind of how much do you enjoy it? And for me, it's just, I enjoy it so much because it allows me not only the ability to kind of escapism, but it also allows me to be able to learn things, even, even, you know, even simple stuff like math, you know, the more you look at player statistics, the more you can kind of see, you know, you know, you know, see correlations and trends and 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 the more math you have to kind of do on the fly. Like a lot of people even, you know, you know, even calculating a true shooting percentage is a simple math equation, but you still have to do it in order for you to do it. So if you're watching a game and you're a basketball nerd and you want to calculate somebody's true shooting percentage, you're doing math in your head. So for me, sports has kind of always been like I enjoy it because I learn something new. I see something new, but also it allows me to learn new kind of things from it because it's just bigger than, you know, watching LeBron James dunk a basketball, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So the way I cope with it is by like by the other things around it rather Mm -hmm. than like the game itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And, and, uh, you know, as you kind of described it, it's the, it's the artistry, it's the entertainment aspect of it and really learning and understanding how all of that works to create this product that people like myself are looking at it from just that pure Mm -hmm. entertainment value lens. Whereas you can now look at it. And as you said, I really love the analogy you make with the clock. You, you know how that the clock's not just moving. Your watch isn't just ticking, you know, and understand how it's ticking, Mm -hmm. which kind of is pretty darn cool too and really being able to see that and see you know i don't want to quite call it puppet strings in certain situations Mm -hmm. but i'm sure you know you could almost make that analogy too and to kind of see how the people up top and you know how you hire and get higher and higher they're starting to do some things that are making you know all this all this play out on stage which is very interesting to me and you're Mm -hmm. see you told me you're you're not going to mess with the gears you're messing with them i'm sorry you're I'm good. Sorry, 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 <laughs> good, sorry. Good. I had to I'm burp. Messing. I had to burp, and I didn't want to burp on the podcast, so I turned my mic down, so I didn't burp. I'm sorry. Apologies. You're perfect. I just don't want Apologies. you to work, man. This is your. I'm sorry. This is, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. The... I apologize. Good, I apologize. I just really didn't want to burp loudly in in everybody's ear. I, I, I appreciate that. You're I'm a good sorry. man. You're a good I won't man, touch Thomas. It again. I won't touch so, it again. Promise. You 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 brought it up. I mean, you've been creating media for 15 years. You've been you know doing something since, as you said, about 14 years old, where did this love of digital content creation, film and production really come from? Uh, I'd probably say my mother, uh, my mother is all, my mother kind of, uh, she went to Columbia in, in Chicago uh, and her understudy was, I believe like broadcasting and sports te- television or something like that. She never pursued that part of her passions, uh, but she became a teacher 
So I really feel like since I was a, a, a young kid, my mother always had, you know, a TV in the house, a VCR in the house. Um, the, we, we had an answering machine, you know, machine when I was younger. We had a tape player. My mother has always enjoyed music. So there was always something around to play music on, whether it was a, a CD player or a vinyl player or, you know, or some kind of configuration of some piece of technology in the house. So as a kid, I was one of the kids that just wanted to try to break stuff apart and kind of see what's inside of it and see how it works. And, and yeah, that's just kind of really how, you know, kind of that started. So even from doing that, I would used to take the, I remember once kind of the, what are they called? The voicemail machines. Uh, mm-hmm. What are they called? What, what's answering the machine? Yeah. The answering machine. I remember once they kind of really went out of style and, and you were able to do it over the phone, my mother kind of threw hers away. So I would use her answering machine to kind of like make, like little stories and record little stories through the tapes and stuff like that. Uh, and then my mother, when I was in, uh, you know, graduated from eighth grade, she asked me what I want as a graduation present. Now, a normal kid would probably say like, oh, I want a bike or a baseball bat or something. I was like, I, I know you're not going to want to get this for me, but I really got, want this like $500 digital camera. Can you buy it for me? And she bought it for me. So that was kind of, that was it. You know, once she bought that camera for me, that was it. And I got that camera, I think when I was 14, so... And you've been rolling with it ever since, yeah, man. I love yeah, it. And since. I guess what, like, kudos to your mom again. Shout out to her. A lot of this uh, is, is centering around her, the sports aspect, as well as the video production, film, content yeah, you creation. You have to have people that believe in you. You yeah. know, a lot of people's parents and, and people around them don't believe in them. And the one thing I can say about my mother, whether she was stupid or crazy for believing in me, which I don't believe she was, because I, I think I've lived a much better life than I would have had she not believed in me. Um, I, I think it paid off. And although, you know, obviously I'm, I'm one of those people that I was rooting for Bernie because I wanted these student loans to get up out of here. But even with that being said, the quality of my life is way better than it would have been had I not gone to college, had she not pushed me to really like strive to not just be an artist. Because she told me, she's like, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. Just go and get an education first because once you get it, you know, nobody can really ever take it away from you. And once you learn how to learn, it'll be easier for you to learn. And because she's a teacher, obviously, these were things that were kind of always being kind of drilled into me. But as a young kid, I didn't want to hear it. I was just like, leave me alone. You can teach at school. I don't need a teacher when I'm at home. But obviously, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I did. So from that perspective, you know, you just really need somebody to, to push you or just say, hey, I believe in what you're doing. And if you keep trying and work at it hard enough, you can become successful at it. And you clearly, I mean, you're, you're well on your way if you don't consider yourself successful already, obviously, oh, yeah. owning a media brand, HMB, one more time, just want to give that a shout out. Oh, obviously, your, your podcast, like, you guys had a lot of stuff rolling on, which is why I'm really excited to get to chat about this and really kind of understand that path on how you really got to where you got to, um, which I always think is really interesting. And then again, I mean, you cover the Clippers. Like, was that like, that's pretty damn cool. Like having all of that stuff kind of, I mean, you, you clearly worked very, very hard to get there, which I think is the best part. And that's kind of the way, you know, we like to hear these stories. It's not just like, oh, I showed up in LA and the Clippers needed somebody and I had a camera. It's like, it doesn't quite work like that. Like a lot of people in LA have a camera. So I guess let's, um, before we get to uh, HMB, let's talk a little bit. I mean, I know you worked at full screen for a little bit. You've done a boatload of freelance work as well. I mean, what was it like, you know, going to school and learning obviously, but then finally coming out onto the job. And, and as you said, I mean, you're up till four five, six o'clock in the morning working, what like what does that entail and what does all this learning and new content and new places to stream to like how how hard is it or how easy is it for you to really pick up on all these things and really find your voice and what you want to portray to the audience uh i would say it's pretty intuitive for me but only because because it's second nature you know like i said i've been once she bought me that camera there was literally nothing that i could no longer create it was just a matter of how how good would it look. So, for example, you know, even even the way that you know podcasts are set up now, or even platforms like this are set up, where you have both, you know, where you have the video layer, you know, kind of on the bottom part, right? When I was fourteen, I was trying to figure out how I could record overlays in my Sony Handycam, so that way I could record it in a VCR. And record it to another VCR so that way I could make and have the title say the different names and appear before my scene began. So it's just so things have just gotten easier. 
it's way, way easier to just make stuff now. And even when I first got a camera, it was way, way easier than it was for the generation before me. So all I've done is just not been one of those people that graduated from college with a film degree and because I didn't make it and I'm not Steven Spielberg within five years or three years or even a year because that's really how it is for some people. I just quit and I'm like, oh, I'm never going to make films again. I'll just write a movie and maybe one day I'll send it to a guy and it might be, get make it made and I might win an Oscar. Like I'm not, that's not the way it works. You know, I, I've, that's never been the way it works to be quite mm -hmm. honest. And that's the reason why, you know, me and a few of my peers that are still creating that I graduated from college with are still, you know, moving forward and doing things that are great because we didn't quit. And a lot of these people, you know, they create for a season. You can't just create for a season. You have to create for a lifetime. Because if you don't create for a lifetime, then then fine. Seasons come and go. You'll just be another person that comes and goes. And, and that's fine. It's perfectly fine. More room for you. More room. Yeah. I mean, more room for me and also more room for the youth. Like, entertainment is a, you know, is a young man's game. So even though I look young, I'm, I am getting older. And even my taste and my values and things that I like and that I appreciate are are changing. But also, this is a young man's game. Um, and that's just what it is. So as you get older, you either become a person that can orchestrate things because you because you are not because you won't necessarily always be in the forefront or you become a person that just, you know, gets sick of it and doesn't want to do it anymore. Does something like that scare you? Though, like knowing that it's like maybe maybe scare is not the best word, but does something like yeah. that worry you knowing like, hey, this is what you've been working towards to your entire life. And now, even as you're saying, like the young kids are coming in to take your job like you did for the people before you. And while you're not old for planet Earth, I don't think you're old for the industry either. But, you know, I'm just kind of just kind of curious from that perspective. No, because I pioneered a space. We were the we were literally the first uh, podcast or like one of these form types of things to ever be put on a YouTube like like highlights channel, but not just like some random dude uploading like Pittsburgh Steelers highlights and then like him and his buddy like talking about the Steelers randomly in a video. I mean, like weekly, the way you see ESPN being programmed, we were the first ever podcast to be on a major like highlight channel. And the highlight channel that we were on was called MLG Highlights. And now MLG Highlights still exists, but the original MLG Highlights, which by the time it got deleted by YouTube, uh, was at like 2.2 million subscribers and had had over 1.5 billion views. And we had done over, I believe, 15 million on that channel. But because of the industry and how the industry moves, that channel is no longer exists on YouTube because of the fact that within the industry, as content identification gets better, meaning that they can identify your content on random website B, random website C, and put an ad on it, and they can find it, that means that they can monetize it. So if you're the NBA and you have all of these other highlight channels out there that are getting billions and billions of views, yeah, you're monetizing off of it, but the marketing capital that you get from everyone coming to your page rather than other highlight pages is what kind of is what you lose. So a company like the NBA, whereas at kind of at the onset of the internet and YouTube, they didn't care about really copyright infringement or highlight channels or, or things of that sort. It was helping them to grow their product. But now that they realize that they can monetize on it properly and track it and, 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 um, you know, you know, and util and utilize all the analytics from all of it. Now they're going and they're striking down those channels. So even when you see like a channel like a Free Dawkins, which was like one of the first original big you know YouTube uh, highlight channels, that channel no longer exists on YouTube anymore because the NBA has closed off on that marketing share or that market share for you know on YouTube. So that original channel that we were on no longer exists. But we were the first ones to do it, you know, and that and that was four years ago or three years ago, however many years ago it was. Now you see it all the time. You know, now you see multiple versions of it, but we were the first ones to do it. That's awesome. Man. And we still yeah. do it. I mean, you can go back and look at our channel now and you'll see it. It's videos from four years ago. Now they don't now they have 100 views or whatever on them because nobody was you know what I mean? Like even our main channel that we have now is basically our secondary channel. 
the main channel where we were uploading all of our actual like main footage and content was going on that MLG, the, the original MLG highlights channel, which was a highlights channel where basically every day after the game, you could go and you could see before the NBA upload at their highlights, MLG would have the highlights up like 10 minutes after the game. And basically every morning we would upload clips Monday through Sunday two to five hoops and brews clips of our podcast and and then his highlights would go up every night so we were programming to get basically like a espn would like program our stuff with our podcast but our channel that we have right now was our secondary channel where we would just put all of like the stuff that wasn't good enough to go on mlg on it and then basically once we stopped working with mlg and his channel got deleted our secondary channel became our main channel if mm-hmm. that makes sense and then yeah, he went yeah. and started another one very cool. Well, that, I mean, that's that's really interesting, and I like the way you think about it. Again, you kind of coming from like the the highlight perspective, but then also the podcast. So you have the personality slash commentaries perspective, which will which will happen in the morning, which normally have that's how ESPN works. And then you know, you then you get the highlights at night. You're watching SVP because you want to watch the highlights. You want to see what happened that day. Kind of wanted a nice way, a nice easy format. So I think that's really interesting how you were able to kind of, as you said, pioneer it, but have the foresight in the in the see you a little bit i guess into into the past and into the future at the same time see what espn did really well and then see how you guys can kind of change that up and utilize it and do it better just for this new age of the way people are actually consuming content rather than having to you know on direct tv 206 go to espn now it's i get it on my time when i want it and it's more on demand content i guess how how quickly did you guys change like like how were you able to see that and like what did you do when obviously this page did get shut down, how quickly were you able to pivot right back to your, you know, now main channel? Yeah. So, you know, um, kind of a little bit of, you know, kind of as in the background, you know, kind of in terms of my actual background, originally I came to LA to be a filmmaker a year into my filmmaking. I went broke because that's what happens when you're a filmmaker in Los Angeles. So my buddy that I went to college with who actually told me not to move to LA because I was going to fail and be back within six months. I was at like my 11th, 12th month. He was like, Hey, I got a place that where I'm working. It's called full screen. Like basically we work with YouTubers. You just got to send out contracts, watch YouTube videos and like, and, and you get paid and you get benefits. And I was like, all right, whatever I'll apply. I applied, I interviewed, I didn't get the position at first, but then more budget opened up and they were able to hire more heads. So they called me back like three days, four days after they told me that I didn't get it. So then I worked at full screen and basically I worked at full screen as a, as a, as a digital talent manager. So basically I've managed over 2000 artists before 2000 YouTubers, actually more than that, probably like 5,000. And I'm not joking, literally managed them. And basically, while I was working at full screen and working with these artists, I've always been a creative. I've always been freelancing. I've never stopped filmmaking because if you're a filmmaker out there and you're working for a digital company and you stop filmmaking, you're you're dumb because you're cutting off your ability to forever be able to pivot back to a career where it doesn't take a lot of you don't have to be the most skilled person to make films. You just have to know what you want to see and have a general understanding of the equipment conceptually. And you can be a filmmaker. It, it doesn't. It's not that complicated. It really isn't. I swear it's not. Learn the cameras, learn the gear and the tools, and then you can create what you want to see. But there are a lot of people that do stuff like that or will take a job like working at full screen and just stop doing everything that they were doing before completely. I never stopped. I kept making stuff. So because I kept making stuff and I kept working with YouTubers, I was just really learning from the YouTubers while also helping them to make better content. So I, you know, my specialization in um, digital media, you know, on the corporate side and executive side is in content optimization. So I've optimized, you know, thousands of channels for the, you know, of the biggest YouTubers that you can think of in the world. I've ran some of the biggest YouTubers in the world's channels. I've created content with them and for them. I've created content for full screen, help them create content as well as help to produce content, as well as help to produce like um, um, OTT content, which is like the, you know, full screen had its own platform, which is like a Netflix or whatever. It was called full screen. It got shuttered because it, you know, it didn't work out, but I've helped to kind of make all this stuff happen. So while all of this stuff was going on on my professional side, on the creative side, I was looking for something creative to do. 
my buddy wanted to start a podcast called Hoops and Brews because his manager wouldn't let him come on his podcast where they talked about football because his manager said that his his um you know his hot takes were terrible. So he's like, hey, you you know how to make stuff. Can you figure out a way to record a podcast? And I was like, yeah, I, we can record a podcast. We'll do a couple episodes. And I was like, but if we're going to record a podcast, I'm going to use it as a social experiment because I'm working with these YouTubers and I'm going to use all the tactics that I, you know, that I utilize for them and try out all the ideas that I want to try out on their page, on our page. And then if it works, I'll just use it on their page. So literally Hoops and Brews has been like my kind of creative digital optimization like you know mind incubator for stuff so even when i was doing stuff and working with content for hoops and brews way back when i was also at the same time taking all those ideas that i was working on hoops and brews and just putting them with the largest youtubers in the world and putting it on their page so as i was updating our descriptions and how we you know tagged and titled things i would utilize the same strategies and pitch those same strategies to full screen as i'm working with these clients so there are a lot of youtubers that i've worked with that i've helped to kind of give careers and um and livelihoods um that you know still love and have a lot of respect for me because of the ways that I was able to help them develop their content. But it was kind of twofold because I was using both things like full screen pay for me to live and hoops and brews, you know, gave me and helped me kind of incubate my ideas to give to them to pay to live. But also I was growing hoops and brews at the same time. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's it's brilliant that you were able to see that too, right? As you said, like just stopping doing, you know, making films is dumb. Just very, very what you put it very bluntly and i appreciate that but the fact that you were able to continue to make you know to continue to film to continue to do what you love and, and you know create but then also use that creation kind of as you call it a mind incubator i'll, I'll use the word guinea pig yeah. to see what works for those youtubers while you're also learning from them what works at a very surface level and you know again it just they both just kind of work back and mm -hmm. forth off each other to help you help them help you get paid to help you make your um make your hoops and brews page rise and rise and rise and then i'm sure you know so the the ml mlg you call mm -hmm. it yeah, yeah 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 mlg highlights yeah that that, that part yeah. was in, integrated as well along the way which was probably very something well, you learned actually it was i'll i'll say this mlg highlights and you know and he won't get a he won't really get any credit for this but he's one of but i didn't just create it on my own or at least like i didn't i mean not create it on our own but we didn't make it on our own Mm -hmm. You know, we needed him. We were we had found an audience on Twitter because also because of the fact that I worked at full screen, um, you get the access to be in a lot of beta trials for a lot of these social media platforms. So originally Twitter had a beta trial for what is now their Twitter studio, which is basically you can manage all of your media that you upload on a Twitter through Twitter studio. And and basically, if you run ads on Twitter. Um, they allow you to upload ads that are up to 10 minutes long, and then you can essentially promote those ads as like videos. But then I realized that you don't have to run an ad on every video that you upload, or that at least that I was able to upload through my beta. So I was one of the first people on Twitter with videos longer than two minutes and 20 seconds, and they were all hoops and bruise videos that were like nine, 10 minutes long. And everybody's like, how can you, how do you, how are you guys doing this? This is crazy. But also, our sports takes people loved them or they hated them so at the same time we were so we were moving and making a little bit of audience on twitter but i knew that we weren't ever going to make any money on it so at that time mlg highlights had i think either four or fourteen thousand subscribers some somewhere along the lines of that and at that point in time because i worked at full screen i knew that copyright protection was coming to basically like like you know kill every digital content creator because I was working behind the scenes. So I was like, you know what? I know that this is going to come and this is going to end eventually. But if I can get our content stolen by all of these, um, um, you know, you know, YouTube highlight channels that steal ESPN clips, that steal NBA footage, that steal stuff from FS1, that steal stuff from anywhere where you can get sports, either interviews or mm -hmm. footage or whatever, then basically that'll take our content and we'll and it'll put it next to theirs and it'll legitimize it and it'll make it look as though we're competing with them. And then eventually we will compete with them. So I went to MLG Highlights and I was like, hey, dude, I literally sent them a YouTube message back when you can send people YouTube messages. I was like, hey, 
Um, if you would like to steal our videos, we would love it and we would allow you to steal our videos as long as you put a link back to our YouTube channel in the description. And for some reason, I sent it to like 50 different like YouTube highlight channels, whether they were 1,000 subscribers or 500,000. He responded back you know, at his size and he responded, no, I can't steal your videos, but I like them. I'll put your playlist on my channel. So our videos literally sit on our YouTube channel. Really, I uploaded about 200 videos on our YouTube channel before any of them started to get any views. They all said no views. And then suddenly, as I started uploading them onto my channel, and he had the playlist on his channel, as his channel was going from 4,000 to whatever, our videos that were saying no views were starting to get like 40, 50, 60 views, then 70, 80, 100. And then one day he came to me and he was like, hey, the NBA is claiming all my videos, so I can't make any money. Do you guys want to give me half your content and I'll put it on my channel and, and I'll promote you guys' channel and then we just split the money? And we were like, yeah, why not? So that's so as he was going up, he went from, you know, once we started doing that, he was probably like 100,000 subscribers. And then by the time the channel got shut down, it was at 2.2 million. That's awesome. So that's brilliant so on your part. Just, too, yeah. Dude. So I just saw it. I literally just saw it. And I was like, if we can just get anybody that is mm -hmm. stealing ESPN stuff to say, these dudes are the same as ESPN because I stole their content and put it next to theirs. And literally, I mean, and now that's kind of the way we're looked at. I even have friends or people that are acquaintances that work for ESPN that'll be like, yeah, I can't come on your show because I have a no compete clause. So, you know, yeah. we're there. That's so. awesome, dude. Congratulations. And I love I love the way you thought about this, too. You knew that the the NBA and the, the copyright was coming. So let's take advantage of it now while we can. And I also like the brilliant way that you're thinking about it. Well, if they put if one of these pages that steals ESPN clips and content puts us next to them, that will then everybody else around doesn't know that I just messaged this guy and said, hey, please steal yeah. our clips. It's just, hey, these guys are also in the media and they also talk about basketball and bang that's all, that's all you need to know and and at that point as you said it legitimized the hell out of you guys and then you were also still able to ride that wave of you know before the uh, the the channel got shut down due to the copyright you're able to just take advantage of all those views and as yeah. you said and and the thing is that i also really like that you put like you had two years worth of videos that yeah. nobody saw yeah well and i think it, it was more like well, a year but it was like 200 okay. videos okay thank because you, at that point you. in time we were because at that point in time I was just chopping the podcast up. Now all of the full podcast episodes are available in video. But back then I was chopping every single video up to be like five minutes because I needed them to be under the 10 minute limit for Twitter. So I was uploading on Twitter like three, four videos a day. And I would just be like, you know what? I'll put these videos on YouTube. And if they take off because of the SEO one day, they'll just take off because of the SEO. But the problem is when you start a YouTube channel from scratch, you really don't have any power within the algorithm. You need some level of viewership in order for the algorithm to even pick it up and say, hey, this guy is watching it. His friend might enjoy it. Let me surface this content to this guy. So really, MLG provided us the ability for our content to surface within the YouTube algorithm and the watch time, which, which generated more suggested views, which meant that our content was being suggested to more people. So it was bigger than just like me kind of just like um kind of throwing them up there obviously i wanted them to get views but i figured like one but also i knew that even though we were giving him those you know clips one day his channel was going to get shut down so i we ran the risk of potentially losing thousands of clips which we did because i believe we uploaded 1500 clips to his channel or a thousand clips to his channel so literally a thousand to 1500 original hoops and brews clips are not on the internet anymore because his channel doesn't exist but because i was uploading all of our b content to our youtube channel we i was just like whatever we'll have a catalog behind it in case anything ever goes wrong with his channel so that was really more so why i was doing it from that perspective mm -hmm. if that makes sense it does but the, the and, and i appreciate the the clarification on that but i think the point that i wanted to try and make and, and just kind of yeah. you know give you the credit mm -hmm. for is yeah. the fact that you it's not like you just showed up one day with one clip right you showed up with yeah, 200 true. clips yeah, and so if true. people went back to look it's like oh these guys have yeah. they've been doing this for a while okay they, they have some they have some stuff under their belt it's not like they just reached out to this guy he liked their personalities no you've done this professionally you know air quotes yeah. or non-air quotes however you want to yeah. say it 
for the last year and change with over 200 clips. I mean, clearly that also adds yeah. legitimacy, I think, as I well. I think which, about it from there. Yeah. yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank, no, thank you for coming on here and spreading some wisdom yeah, and some knowledge. Because literally, you know. I'm just thinking like a shark. So I'm yeah. just like, all right, how can, you know, how can we get blood in the water? Um, more so than even thinking about the legacy stuff. I was just literally thinking if MLG's channel gets deleted we have no videos on the internet so i'm going to at least upload something to our youtube channel that was literally my mm -hmm. only thinking behind it not even more so about Amen. the back catalog which i which thank you i appreciate that i appreciate you working hard i mean that's what it really comes down to man and so so with that let's talk a little bit about hmb now so yeah. as i said before you guys work with the clippers or you you run media with the clippers four different leagues the nba the wnba wbc and wba if i'm yes. not mistaken what is like how after leaving full screen what has how did you guys culminate and come up with the idea to say okay let's let's start our own media company i mean we have the podcast we have mm -hmm. some views people know who we are a little bit what was the driving force i guess or what was the what was the reason being saying okay you know what we're we're in our cushy jobs this is fun we know what we're doing but mm -hmm. you know let's step out of our comfort zone and start trying to do our own thing yeah, even further yeah well well, I was still I still was working at uh, full screen when I started H&B Media. But the thing about it was because I had been doing the podcast stuff and I worked at full screen for, I believe, five and a half or like almost six years. So essentially, Hoops and Brews, I believe, started in the, it started the October after the 2016 finals. Uh, so it started in 2016. I had been working at uh, at full screen since 2013 or something along the lines of that. So everybody saw the beginning of the podcast up until the point where we turned it into a business and we started covering the Clippers. So I was still working at full screen while I was working at, you know, I, mean, I mean, while we were working on our own thing. I still keep a job while I'm doing what we do because even with covering the games, I mean, unless uh, unless I'm like spending literally every day going from arena to arena or different whatever, we're only covering the Clippers or the sparks usually it is not a, a everyday thing uh it's usually a like a three to four day thing so for example um i was working at a startup last year um on the executive side and i worked from home for a couple days out of the week and then i was in the office for a couple days out of the week so when i was working from home a couple days out of the week i mean obviously i was putting in my time but it allowed me the maneuverability to be able to stop working for an hour if I need to to record a podcast and then get back to work after recording that podcast if I needed to. Or if I needed to front load my day with, you know, podcast work and just spend the entire rest of my night getting done my priorities, I could kind of work that out and do that pretty much as long as I was like available if I was mm -hmm. needed, if that makes sense. Yeah. So so. That, so I, I enjoy that because, like I said, I still need the ability to be able to to incubate my ideas in other places than kind of just in one in one, you know, kind of through one lens. I'm not one of those type of people where I only am looking at my life from what, you know, kind of through one perspective. So even so, I'm not one of those people where I plan on being 40 with one job working for one company. I want to be 40 with multiple jobs, consulting with multiple companies on multiple boards and doing stuff like that, as opposed to being kind of a one man band, whatever. And essentially what we've been able to do is we've taken like the one man band kind of ideology and just made a two man band. So everything he and I do, we produce together. And we've been, you know, pretty much, you know, doing this entire media thing together for the past couple of years. So even in terms of, you know, kind of like employees for the company, it's just really been two of us. And even all of the other shows and stuff that we were doing before, um, you know, we even have a talk show that we produce, but we produce that in partnership with, you know, kind of this collective of females, uh, you, know, you know, where they like promote and, uh, you, know, you know, stuff, but they're also like models and actresses and, you know, and stuff like that. So we co-produce it with them and, and, and basically work with them kind of on a sponsorship basis, but we do the production, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, so for us, it's more so just trying to be like strategic and be nimble until we can really kind of generate that revenue where we can kind of get the heads that we need. But even with what we've been able to do cover, you know, with covering the Clippers, all of that started because, you know, we just had someone that said, hey, what you guys are doing is valid in terms of like the content. And I had a buddy who worked in sports. His name's Eli, Eli Horowitz. He's like, hey, you know, I work in sports and I've worked for organizations and I've been a writer before. Why aren't you guys covering any leagues? And I was like, I don't know, because we just do a podcast. He's like, yeah, but 
you guys are breaking down the podcast, you're analytical, you're using stats. I like I learned stuff from it. You guys are sharing your content. You should see if you can get credentials. And we, you know, I took the necessary steps to find people's emails and reach out to numerous people on the Lakers and the Clippers and the Clippers happened to respond and and you know, and allowed us to come in and cover their organization and we've been covering that team for 2 years and we cover the Sparks as well. And then in terms of boxing, because we're now kind of getting to the point where we know enough reporters and things of that sort, you know, and people know what's for producing content. Other reporters will come to us now because there's not a lot of money to be made in sports anymore in terms of kind of from a from a media company perspective. Um, there is and there isn't, you know, kind of there are there are a few major media conglomerates that control the sports media markets. But if you're a writer or a producer or a podcast, et cetera, you're not going to really be able to make a living in this industry unless you work for a Bleacher Report, an Athletic, an ESPN, or you have some type of private funding, which some, which I do know a lot of uh, reporters who will get private funding or, for example, like they'll get fundings from like car dealerships and stuff like that where they'll sponsor a trip for them to go and see a playoff game. And they, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's but from a like sheer perspective in terms of volume with the money the money is in owning the content surrounding the leagues because one day that stuff will be used in a the last dance so mm-hmm. if you have those interviews and things of that sort and we have all this content that we've been using someday you know somebody's going to come and make a documentary and say hey Pavy TPJ can we talk about whatever and can we see what we got with footage and stuff like that so that's more so kind of where we're at, at at this point where we're just trying to produce more and more content that it'll be more so evergreen um, because that's really what this market is moving towards, which is why a lot of these YouTube comedians that were YouTube comedians that are transitioning to other platforms are smart because they're continuing to make sure that they will always have evergreen content. You know, when you see guys that were on Vine that successfully trans, um, you know, you know, successfully transitioned to Twitter video, which originally was a minute. Then, then transition to YouTube video, which really the sweet spot for that was like four to 12 minutes. And now they got to go back to TikTok and Instagram. Those are the people that will continue to be around. But you have to have, uh, you know, that content behind you uh, across the board for people to remember who you are across the board, kind of from that perspective. So for us, it's bigger than just the podcast now. The podcast, Hoops and Brews as the podcast is really like a secondary piece now. It's really more so about covering the sports and really being good reporters as well as like creating good content, if that makes sense, because Absolutely. we have to do it all. Like I said, it's a two man band, you know, ESPN has ABC behind them and Disney behind them. That's a multi-billion dollar corporation with billions of dollars in marketing budgets. We, it's two of us being scrappy, covering content, getting views and really trying to make it kind of happen and continue to grow our business as we kind of do it. But I feel like all of that for me comes with making sure that I'm still doing other things than hoops and brews, because if I'm only stuck doing hoops and brews, especially kind of in this sports market, you're only going to make so much money being a reporter. I'm just going to keep it honest with you. You have to really, really love it. I'm not passionate about reporting. I'm passionate about making content, if that makes sense. Yeah. So whereas my co-host is passionate about reporting and the sport and wants to be a journalist and eventually work in the leagues, I just want to make content and make money. So that's where the marriage is because he's the passion of it. And I'm like, like I said, the shark trying to, you know, put the blood in the water. I love it, man. And I love the super, super long game that you're playing. I mean, you're bringing up potentially the next documentary that's going to be made with the interviews, with the content that you're creating 20 years down the road, 10 years down the road, whatever it is. I mean, you're playing the really long game and I like the way you're looking at it because it's very easy to get caught up. As you said, as you were talking about before, you know, you didn't become the next Steven Spielberg in a year. So I'm mom and dad, I don't want to make movies anymore. Let me come back home. And I think that that part, it does happen a lot. I do think us millennials, you know, the M word, I hate it because it always comes with a negative connotation, but there's always like a lot of us get that kind of, Oh, you know, you're, you're entitled. You were given everything. Well, first off, who the hell gave it to us? That's always a curiosity of mine, but that's another conversation. And then, I mean, just (laughs) let's not talk too much about that, but um, we'll talk offline about that. How's that sound? But um, no, and it's just one of those things where, you know, by playing that long game and understanding where your passion lies and where your co-owner's passion lies, you guys are able to kind of create this symbiotic relationship where you both can kind of work off each other and build off each other and kind of continue. Like if he did his thing on his own and you did your thing on your own, you wouldn't get as far as if the two of you just came together, as you said, in that two man band to just 
you now you can create more content around the leagues, which is what he wants to do as a reporter. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of this really yeah. great relationship that you guys have created. So again, kudos, you're really smart, man. This is awesome. Thank I didn't you. think you I weren't smart, it. but like this is really impressive how you've been able to kind of orchestrate. Thank you. I won't take that as I won't take that as an insult. I, yeah, why would I, you? Yeah, no, I know. I appreciate that though. I, no, no, no. no I because as a black person, when people are like, "You're really smart," so I was like, well, oh, "Thank no. you," but no, but I know what you mean though. Yeah, uh, I mean, like it's, I, said, it's, I won't take any offense to that. Cool, good. I'm if glad he was you... anybody else, no, I'm joking. <laughs> If we weren't, you know, 45 minutes in this conversation and you didn't feel super comfortable with me I'm yet, joking, maybe I'm that's joking. another thing. But I'm no, I mean, again, you're a friend now of mine we are. now. You're a friend that's, of mine now. Seriously. I love it, dude. That's I why appreciate I love Justin, that. though. Justin, Justin is another one of those guys. Um, Justin Moser, who was on your show. He's one. of. But also, this is the thing about it. As as, um, uh, you know, to whoever's listening to this, if you're young or if you're trying to create things, meet people. And networking is bigger than just saying, hey, guy, I do this thing. Can you give me money? It's just saying, hey, who are you? What do you do? Oh, great. I do this. Perfect. Have a nice day. Oh, you're on Instagram, you're on LinkedIn. I'll add you. Hopefully we'll see each other in the future because you never know who will remember that conversation, who will just be like, oh, that guy didn't instantly try to utilize his, uh, you know, you know, you know, his card. I remember that guy and he told me he did this thing. Let me call this guy because I remember he did this thing and he didn't make me feel uncomfortable when we had our interaction. And that's what networking is. So if you're young and you listen to this network, because I network with Justin because Justin was a friend of my friend. Now, just because he was a friend of a friend, that doesn't mean that, you know, that doesn't mean that he and I had to interact on any level below a surface or a cordial level. But because I took interest in who he was as a person and then found out that he was working in sports, as I started to grow my sports company, he was always a guy that would help to make connections or be like, hey, I have a buddy that does this or I have a or I know this person that's making really cool content. I know you like people that make, you know, that make really cool content. You should reach out to this guy. So shout out to Justin. Seriously. He's incredible, man. He is so much fun. Uh, just the opportunities that he has already presented me with in terms of meeting people like you and a couple of our other friends uh, that I'm sure we have made uh, collectively as well. He's great just guy. an all around great guy. So hopefully when he does listen to this, he, uh, you know, a little smile comes on his face. That's really all we're hoping for there. But no, again, I, I just like the way you've orchestrated this entire thing. And you're kind of, again, playing that long game to do what you want to do. I also like the fact that you said, you know, doing one job sounds kind of boring because I, I agree with that. Just doing one thing. Even if it is like, you know, in, in technology where every day is different or sports where every day is different, it's way more interesting to have your hand in a couple different things. Um, down the road, what are some of these other things that you're potentially interested in, you know, getting into and sitting? You said multiple boards and consulting with multiple companies. Is there a specific space like inside, outside of sports that you're looking for? Well, personally, I create on all different types of levels, but also I'm more so of a I'm a businessman from all different types of perspectives. I feel like personally, and this is I actually have never said this to anybody before currently, but I feel like personally right now I'm at this space where I'm kind of at a crossroads professionally. I'm at a crossroads professionally because obviously the NBA is no longer existing currently right now and probably won't be for who knows how long. So, so obviously businesses have taken a big hit. My business has taken a big hit. And whereas we were essentially peaking as a business and continue, like, that's also the thing about it is the reason why you stay consistent is because you, you, whenever you think your peak is, you're not necessarily sure if you keep going, you know what I mean? That New York stock ticker is going to keep moving. And one day it'll be high, but guess what? 34 years from now, some asshole will be reporting like, oh, the Dow Jones is up the highest it's been in 34 years. You want to know why? Because they didn't stop the Dow Jones. It doesn't stop. So personally, I looked at us as peaking a couple years ago when we were on MLG Highlights doing 15 million views a month. But people look at us now because we have more cachet because we cover the teams and because we're in the locker rooms and I'm talking to Doc Rivers after every game and I'm talking to Steve Kerr. I'm talking to Kevin Durant after he drops 50. I'm talking to Draymond Green. I'm talking to Giannis after he beats the Clippers at home. You know, I'm, I'm seeing these things in, in person. Um, it's just kind of a, it's just kind of a different kind of thing in terms of how people look at it. And it so now we are looked at as like an ESPN. So for me, I can't stop doing what we're doing because you work this hard to get to this point. There's no point in stopping because you're tired or because the NBA isn't coming back. Boohoo. Figure out it's basketball. It's been going on for, for 70 years, 60 years. Figure out something to talk about. So that's what we've been doing. We've been figuring out things to talk about. But also from a professional standpoint, 
I'm kind of over working at for digital entertainment companies on the management side because I've managed enough artists, I've done enough digital content optimization and management and I don't really I'm not really interested in doing that. That stuff doesn't excite me anymore. It was fun. I helped I helped to build uh, multiple companies that are worth millions of dollars and and full screen sold for however many much. Go look it up. And I was there I was employee number at 90 something. So go look it up. So, you know, I've been a part of big acquisitions. I've been a part of startups. I've been a part of, of companies where it's two guys in a room figuring out how to ideate things. And I have a lot of ideas on my own as well. But I just feel like I'm personally at a space where I, I feel like a lot of the, of the good ideas have been taken and have been. And, and there's so many reiterations of the same idea that somebody is saying is good. Like I still have people that hit me up and want to start startups with ideas that I had six years ago. Like I did that six years ago at this old company and you want to do this now at a new company like this, you know, like that's old. That's I had that, got that idea somewhere in a notepad. You know what I mean? It's somewhere in a notepad written out. You want me to work with you on this idea that I had six years ago because you got a little bit of funding. No, it's not going to work. There have already been, Thousands of people that have come into the market that already have a bigger market share that are that and I've and literally when I was working at full screen, I was working at the biggest company in the market with the share. So it's like, you know, so personally, I'm looking at a lot of the landscape of digital entertainment and digital media, and I'm not really feeling any any of it anymore. So I'm at this point now where I'm really trying to ideate what is going to be that next thing for me. Now, whether that be me going get a job and be happy because I'm about to have my first child and I want to get married and settle down and live a, a simpler life because maybe my plans for, you know, having a million jobs at 40 was what I had planned before I met my child. You know what I mean? But at this current point, I'm really trying to figure out what's the sweet spot between all of the things that I know because I do production, I do music, I work in sports media, I've managed artists, I've done marketing stuff, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a podcaster, I'm a producer, I'm a I'm an executive, I'm a whatever, blah, 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 whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm always been I've always been a person that believes in ownership. So I want to be a part of something that I own. So for me, it's just really trying to figure out what is that next thing that I'm going to make that I'm going to own. Because H&B Media, if we never make another video again, we've already done legendary stuff. We've already, you know, kind of surpassed what I thought that we would ever be, um, what, what, what people thought that we would ever be. I remember when reporters used to make fun of us and call us idiots because we had uh, takes that were controversial. And now I see those same reporters in rooms and they speak and they just say, hey, how you doing? And they try to be nice now. But but they put that fire under me to want to go out and really like work to get to this point. But now that, you know, I'm here, I'm kind of just like, all right, let me see what's next for me, you know, in these next 10 years of my life. I'm about to be 30. So that's really where I'm at. So I'm either going to I'm either going to start another new media company that hopefully will be one of the greatest things you've ever seen, um, where we'll work with a bunch of different talent and figure out how to help everyday people create stuff and do stuff like this. Even a platform like this StreamYard platform is a really good platform. Remember when you when you mentioned that, I was like, what platform is that? I've never mm-hmm. heard of it before. So now that I, because I've never heard of it before, I'm going to log into this thing and learn how to use it. And I might not ever broadcast on it, but I'll at least know how to use it. And I feel like a lot of people that are our age, as well as the younger generation, don't take, especially people that want to create. You don't have to want to be on TikTok, but just log in and make a TikTok. And then you'll know how it works. So that way, when you eventually want to help people market TikTok, you know how it works. Or at least you've seen it. You understand the UI, the interface. Or if you want to build your own iteration of a TikTok or a Vine, you can know what you would want in that interface and things of that sort. Because none of these ideas that anybody has anymore are really that original. It's just about who's going to make the best iteration of that version. And that's really what I think the future is uh, going towards, especially with all with with kind of there will be another generation of human beings where this won't exist and this computer won't exist. And all of this shit will just be some headphones where we can design it all and it'll be programmed in a studio and it'll be like they're sitting here in a room with me talking and you're here and we're having a a fireside chat. But so that's what the kind of stuff I want to build for, not like what's going to be the hottest TikTok in two years, which is what a lot of these digital companies are after because they're after the, you know, immediate gains. And also all these companies want to build fast and scale so that way they can sell and then the guy at the top can get rich when that's not really what's going to be the thing that's going to last forever. 
I don't like Walt, I don't believe Walt Disney went into making Disney with intentions of I'm going to make this company and this is going to be the biggest media company to ever exist. I think he went in there thinking like, yo, I got some crazy ideas. If we can put this thing together, imagine how much cool stuff I can do. And then it made money and he was like, oh, oh, OK. Oh, OK. All right, cool. Let's let's open up a park. Let's get some. Let's get some. We got some film, some uh, some merch. Uh, You want a hoodie? <laughs> you know, and and that's where it is. So that's kind of how I feel about it. And I personally haven't told anybody that. So you just got something off me. I love it. That was like 10 minutes of straight fire, dude. That was awesome. Yeah, but it's like, I just feel like a lot of people my age, especially when you hit this point where you're kind of getting to be 30 or you are 30, and whether those people have either given up on their dreams or they're still kind of looking to figure out what it is they want to spend the rest of their life doing a lot. I'm in the same, I'm in the same phase, right? But, but within that, you can figure out things that you enjoy to try to make something. So I'm not in a rush. So for example, right, I was working at that startup in August. I left the startup in August. I've been kind of nomading it for the past nine months. And honestly, I've been the happiest I've been since I le- since I first came to LA, not having to wake up and go do a job that I don't really care about. And like, I enjoyed the gaming and the competition of understanding digital media. But now that I understand it and I'm, and I'm, I've been one of the people that helps the people that make the thing that everybody loves. I don't really, you know what I mean? I'm, it, I, I want to make something that'll help whoever in the future do something cool. And I just feel like at this point, everybody's not really interested in doing that. So I want to I want to do stuff like that. So if you're a person that's in my age that doesn't know what you want to do, you can still find ways, but you don't have to rush it. You can take your time, be methodical, write your ideas down. On, I literally have a whiteboard. I write my ideas on the whiteboard. I take a picture of it. And then usually I wipe it off because I'm like, this is a stupid idea. But at least I saved it and I have it. And then if ever I come up with another idea, I can think, oh, I have a picture of that whiteboard. This connects with this. And that might be the thing that will be the thing for me. But I'm working towards it. And I think that for the people that are above 25 or above 30 that are like looking at that next phase, look at happiness because, you know, you, money comes and goes. We see it. The whole country's broke. Everybody's broke, literally. Or they wouldn't be asking the government for trillions of dollars in money. Everybody's broke. So what do you have what what are you creating what are you giving that's really kind of at the what a point i'm at kind of if that makes sense it makes sense i love it man no i i i sincerely appreciate the the honesty the intimacy the openness and really getting into all that stuff again i appreciate you you dropping some stuff for us that you know not everybody's been able to hear before or nobody's been able to hear or only close friends and sincerely i do appreciate that because i think that's this is my favorite thing i get to do like i literally my favorite thing i do and I do it, you know, three, four, sometimes six hours in a day is just ask people like you questions and get to hear that and understand and hear that knowledge and then be able to share that with everybody else on the Internet so that they can learn and understand and get that passion that you just gave us. Because the coolest thing you can do is listen to someone who's super passionate about anything. I don't care what the topic is. I don't care if I love it or I hate it. But hearing someone talk about something that they're very, very passionate in, like you just spoke about there for those last 15 minutes that's what I love about doing this. And if I could do that this every day in my life and get paid just enough money to pay my bills, I'd be the happiest person on planet earth. And I totally agree with you there. So well, you will. I, congrats on the kid too, dude. That's Thank awesome. You. I appreciate Congratulations. it. Congratulations. Awesome. You will though. You know me now. So I'm going to, hey. and this is the thing about it. And no, no, I don't mean, I don't even mean it in an arrogant perspective, but no, like, no, but no, also, please. but also I am a person that is, I believe in being a conduit, but all part of that through line, my mother, like she's always been a person where I remember her students coming back to her when they're in their 30s or would just come back up to the school and, and I would be a kid and be lower or I would be a teenager. and They would go, hey, I haven't seen you since 1993. I'm I got a job and I'm and I always think of back to what you taught me or what you told me to know. And I, I've been in, I've been there and I've seen my mother have those conversations. So even when you move to a place like L.A., there aren't people here that just want to help other people do things just for the sake of helping other people do things. So I've always been one of those people because whether you remember me or not, whatever, actually I could help you connect you with somebody that can do something. And then you might become the, you might become the next Larry King. You know what I mean? I actually think you could become the next Larry King. 
Thanks, man. You, I appreciate actually, that. you are the next Larry King. Holy in my shit. eyes, in my eyes, you're the next Larry King. Can I be Joe Rogan instead? You Would can, that be okay? You can, you can, and I'd rather you be. Yeah. I'd rather you be Larry King than Joe Rogan because Joe right. Rogan's a little. Joe Rogan's a. Joe, I love Joe Rogan. Don't get me wrong. I, love I listen. Him too. I listen to Joe Rogan and I love Joe Rogan, but Joe Rogan is nuts as well. Yes, hundred percent. He knows where he. I don't get me wrong. He he's very intelligent, highly smart, in, incredible uh, human being. Pioneered the podcast space for the masses. But he's a nut job as well. And I want to talk to him as well because I just want to like shoot the shit with him and mm-hmm. like maybe light a joint with him. But but I would but Larry King, I feel like, has been around for what, 60 years, 70 years doing this thing. That man creeps in, you know what I mean? I can see you being like 80 years old, like creeping in, like TPJ, yeah, what we got going on today, man. <laughs> yep. I love it, dude. But no, I sincerely do appreciate that. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get that done one day. And I, I got a long time, you know, I'm only 28 now. So 80 is a, is a while away. And if we just keep doing this, if I keep getting to talk to passionate people like you, man, I mean, that makes my job super easy. So that's all I got to do. I love it. But good stuff, man. I mean, that's, that's about all I got. Thomas TPJ Price, co-founder of HMB Media, Hoops and Brews Podcast, Clippers Media. Everything's going to be in the show notes. Really appreciate your time today, man. Yeah, definitely. I will share this on our YouTube channel, and I, and if you send me clips of it, I will happily spread this to my audience. And like I said, dude, um, you know, I always love seeing people that create cool stuff and do cool stuff. And the fact that you've been able to teach me stuff and put me onto a new platform, whatever you need help with, graphics or whatever, you need an overlay for your live stuff, whatever, hit me up, and I, I got you. Um, but I really do think that you're very, very talented, and you're really, really Thank good you. at what you do. And just keep doing it. Don't stop. Because when you stop, literally, that's the end. Mm-hmm. So just keep keep doing it. You're just talking to people anyways. You would talk to them anyway. So keep doing it I forever. Would, exactly. This time, I just get the red light on. But no, yeah. sincerely, man. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. All righty, dude. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Thomas. As I said, absolutely fantastic. He was so much fun just getting to chat with him, what he's been doing, how he's doing it, how he's been helping me, and how I really hope to be able to help him in the future. So please make sure to go follow Thomas on all of his socials, including YouTube. Everything is in the show notes. Please make sure to give us a five-star review wherever the heck you're listening to us. Very much so on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Those are the two biggest ones I've found. And Spotify now with Joe Rogan, you know, that whole thing, $100 million. I wouldn't mind Spotify. You know, they want to give me a million bucks. I'd be cool with it. So make sure to follow on Spotify as well. If you don't mind, it's a free application. Why the heck not? So thank you all so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. It's the only thing we don't get more of. So thank you for giving me some of yours. And I hope you make it a wonderful day. Yes.